so actually this this really is for the long-term missionary and for those of you who are going on short-term teams sending short-term teams you're going to get a kind of an insider's perspective on what the long-term teams are how they're processing and how they're trying to host you well and what they need this is this will we will talk about and this is meant to be very interactive so those of you with experiencing hosting team experienced hosting teams please don't hold back because we're going to learn from one another on this okay so i did write buckle up first thing that i think you really have to be honest with about yourself is how do you feel about the short term teams and i will admit that i actually can feel all of these things simultaneously it's a little bit crazy making actually that you can do that but i am a product of a short term team many long term missionaries are i am so glad that somebody actually in guatemala in san ramundo hosted us um and uh that's how i got interested in missions and it was It was all over after I spent a couple short-term trips in San Ramon de Guatemala. Um the curse part comes in when we have donor organizations telling us what they're going to come in and what they're going to do and what they want from us. There there is really that's a very strong word I know it, but it it is it's crazy making on the field when we have people coming from in my case in Central Asia not just the United States but other places as well telling us we've got so many ways to bless you and we are going to bless you like this and we're thinking well, thanks maybe <laughs> there are i mean the necessary evil part there you know if you can it it sounds kind of negative i know and if if you're kind of still starry-eyed with going to the field and it's all going to be good talk to me in a few years and i think you'll understand the necessary evil part it, i mean it is think why what are the 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 good the reasons that we host short term teams can you even i mean think about why we want short term teams some organizations pay the bills that's how that's a revenue stream that's the revenue stream we kind of have that situation in central asia we run a guest house and we're really kind of oddly dependent on short term teams for part of that ministry to encourage them so that they they see and they continue to have a love for God and God's plan in the rest of the world yeah so they kind of get a global a missional heart really and and encourage that please come to the front dave come on up to the front guys um yeah any other reasons we have short term teams i mean there's a there's like plethora Yeah. I love that you tagged on the not yet. Yeah. Two things one is specialty teams. Uh-huh. They bring in some kind of expertise. It could be medical, agricultural, building or whatever. And the other one's kind of like the first one, but uh, to pay for a specific projects, sometimes you have a building you want to put up and and by the team coming in, they get the church excited and they'll bring in a lot of extra funds for that particular project. Mhm. Yeah, it can move projects along in a good way. Uh-huh. Um something that was said at one of the other sessions um depending on when teams come in uh across the region they can they can actually um, help the work of the people on the ground by um sort of validating them. 
Right. One of the, the examples that you used, David, in, in the workshop yesterday about coming in and listening to the pastor, and then the next day the people came to listen to that, the nationals came to listen to that pastor. Another thing that you really have to examine is can you use them effectively? You need to know yourself, okay? Be proactive. If you do not let your donor and sending organizations know what you need, they will send you something anyway. Okay? You have to come up in a proactive way with what kind of teams you need. And this, this outline is actually uploaded to the website, guys, if you want to. Not, not, not the PowerPoint, but an outline with these points is uploaded to GMHC website. What projects do you have? The, I mean, what kind of experience? The STT is short-term team. What kind of experience will you give a short-term team? Part of what I love about short-term teams and in the interacting with them is just kind of feeding their vision for missions. I love debriefing them at the end of the day and hearing what the highlights were, what the lows were, and really kind of that discipling role of, so so what next? You know, God brought you on a short-term team. What are you going to do next? And I think that is a really key responsibility as being a receiver is kind of really speaking back into the lives of the short-term team members and, and really, really challenging them. God didn't bring them there for nothing, and quite often he didn't even bring them there for the nationals. He brought them there for themselves. I see some head nods. I'm liking that. I mean, it's true. So what is God asking of them when they go home? Part of this being proactive is thinking about the purpose of the short-term team. This is also something that you don't want the short-term team dictating to you. They, I mean, they can, hopefully they will have their purposes, but when they come into the field, they'll be helping fulfill your purpose on the field, okay? There are so many different kinds of teams. We talked about a little bit. But there are teams that come in for relationship building, which are sometimes the, the most confusing teams to plug in. They kind of, you know, you're not really sure, and that's what we call the teams that we don't know what they're going to do, quite honestly. Oh, relationship building. You're going to send us a team. We're not sure we need a team, so we're going to use you for relationship building. Prayer teams. Projects, training, discipling, teaching, encouraging. Where, where, where I worked, and I, it was, we desperately needed prayer teams. But depending on the, the personality of the organization that's sending the teams, that doesn't always fit that organization. We got a lot of pushback. Um, yes, we know we can pray, but what can we do? That was really frustrating for us as a long-term team to hear that. No, really, I mean, 
kind of what's your theology of prayer even? You know, what is, that's what we need. There are a lot of strongholds in this place, and we need people coming in and pounding the walls. We also needed and, and got a lot of medical teams, and especially initially, that was really good. I worked in Afghanistan, started there in 2002. Um, there were, it's not that there wasn't any work going on there. There were lots of people who lived there under the Taliban even. But the system was so broken medically. Um, Don Thompson from Global Health Outreach was, he was uh, actually in the military then, and he was helping to um, make, trying to, to have a whole medical delivery, revamp their medical delivery system, both civilian and military. And that's actually how we got, Sam Melend had brought some teams in and introduced us to Don, and we were able to strategically use GHO teams, I mean, really well. And we started out more as a medical NGO, so we, we, we had a lot of mobile clinics, and then we were plugged into static clinics. But in, in the early days especially, the docs that came in would train at one of the local hospitals, and then we were able to plug them in to another hospital. Very strategic. You've got to know, I mean, knowing where you are, too, because that is, it's not ever a static situation, you know, really keeping, assessing the needs of your community. And for us, we had to assess a lot of things, like security and different things like that as well. But are, it, what other kinds of teams have I left off here? I, don't, I didn't specifically name medical teams, but I included those in projects and training, teaching as well. Construction teams. Construction teams, the, you long-term workers out there, what, how, do you, how do you work in construction teams? Anybody willing to say? Well, I think it's a mixed bag because they, they're used to being able to run the lows. <laughs> Can't run the lows in Haiti. It's, it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. Did anybody, in where I lived, we ran into the problem that people wanted to come and be on construction teams, but quite frankly, they didn't know how to construct in Afghanistan. We use mud bricks, and we, um, the, the, a lot of the roofs are mud roofs, um, and, or they have very intricate stone work. They, like, they have stone masons who chip the stones and build the foundations. Like you said, there's no run into lows. Every mud brick is a slightly different shape. So, actually, construction teams were one of our really big challenges. People wanted to come and do construction, but Afghans have been building houses for centuries. And not only that, we can pay them to build a house. And so when we would have construction teams come in, we try to put them with the Afghans, but that didn't always work. So just so you know, from just a very transparent standpoint, sometimes construction teams are much more work. And, or 
the the this these are this is not urban legend of the things that get built and then torn down once the team leaves because it's not to the local code. We had a team one time, this was in Ukraine, that came in and was working with the church and they we almost had World War Three over wallpapering. The the uh, the nationals they've been wallpapering since Wallpaper was invented. They know how to wallpaper. And not only that, they know how to wallpaper on walls that are plastered. In North America, we don't use that mostly, unless you live in a really old house, that kind of plaster system. When you wallpaper on a plaster wall, every once in a while, the whole wall will come down if you don't do it right, because the plaster comes off of the, the lath. Yeah, we had a couple walls in our church there in Simferopol that fell down after the Americans left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is, I'm thinking, especially my biggest responsibility after scheduling was to, like, run interference for my national colleagues because um, the, the teams would overwhelm. And, and mostly for good reasons. They just really, they wanted to know the culture. They wanted to make the relationships. But our national team, my national teammates would get overwhelmed by all the foreigners and everything. So a big a big part of what I did was making sure my national teammates were ready for all these Westerners to descend on us and to know that they had a safe place to run. Like to me, if something was like, I, in, in Asian culture, you, you don't ever say no. So we would have the most bizarre requests from teams, and my national teammates would be like, yes. And then they would come to me and they call me uh, they call me by my nickname Jojo. They would like Jojo, we we cannot do this. This is not safe. We cannot do this. So I kind of it was a good cop bad cop thing. I was usually bad cop. I really didn't mind it. I don't know what that says about me, but I kind of enjoyed it. Like everything. I mean, all, this is literally just the beginning of the logistics. What are, what are the things that I've forgotten to put up there about when you're hosting a short-term team? I know, I, I mean, four points, there's no way that's enough. What all do you, those of you who are hosting, uh-huh. The first thing that came to my mind when you said prepare your national teams is we actually prepare really hard on the volunteer side. When they get on the ground, we do an intensive two- to three-hour orientation with them. That's like the, they've got to drink coffee or tea or something when they get off the airplane and tell them how they are to treat our translators and what they are to do and not to do. And we are very, very strict. That is exactly, let's move. That, our next slide will be how we, how we do the, how we train the short-term team that's coming in. What about, what about our, our long-term team, including our nationals, our colleagues on the ground? Have I, what have I forgotten? Uh-huh. But <clears throat> lodging mm-hmm. and depending on where you are in the world, differences in food and beverage that you may as Americans need to avoid because your system just can't handle it. Yep, let's just move right on to that next slide. Seems like we're going in that direction. So preparing the short term team. Uh huh. Yes, please.
emphasize the bigger picture ministry piece. Yeah. And how the short-term team responds to those requests are something that the short-term team needs to know beforehand. <clears throat> and that's actually the next slide. Is there, is there a sort of a role reversal where um, your team members have a vision of ministering to the short-term team? You know what? L- let people from open countries speak to that. I'm, I'm, I'm coming from a closed country perspective, so my teammates are actually Muslim. Um, they, so they wouldn't have had that mindset. Now, the expats would have on my team, but my national colleagues would not have. Uh, and let me change the word minister to uh-huh. enable the short-term team, where they have something to give back to the short-term team. It seems like the short-term team is going to come in and want to, want to be touchy-feely with the nationals, the guys on the ground. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And you put it very well. Um, that, that you're empowering your national teammates and encouraging them that they have something to teach the short-term team that's coming. And they, they always do. I mean, and do you believe that? I do. I mean, my team, nobody knows Afghanistan better than my Afghan teammates. You know, I mean, nobody knows the needs better, the culture better. I mean, no, I mean, they absolutely, that richness, and when the, the short-term team comes in as a learner for, like, the culture and different things like that, the exchange is beautiful. But I love that you pointed out you, you do need to prepare your teammates to empower them to speak up, that they are not just the receiving the team. Some cultures, that's harder than others. Um, in, in Afghanistan, sometimes it was hard because you, it, humility is a big part of that culture. And so you don't, you know, you never want to come off too strong there. So our teams, they hosted enough foreigners that they finally, I think, got it. Susie? Yeah, back on that last point, I thought point, comparing the, the national. Uh-huh. Isn't it fun to hear? It's really fun to hear. And, and their stomachs are so weak. <laughs> their stomachs are so weak. But they were basically, you know, relaying what they had learned, watching us, and in a kind way letting, basically preparing them that we're not going to be able to eat everything, that, you know, people want. It, it, so often the visitors would come, not like the food, turn it down or, you know, push it to where it would just get thrown away, and that was just horribly offensive. And... Um, so it was good to, to kind of forewarn the people who were preparing that, you know, it's not you, it's not your cooking. These foreigners are just so <laughs> I love that level, too, of, 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 of development, where it's not even me as a foreigner training, but as empowering part of my national team to train the national team. Because it does mean a lot more, actually, coming from a countryman. It, it just does. And they say it, they say it probably much more great. Their Afghans, at least, are much more gracious than I am. I'd be like, you know what, guys? 
And but the Afghans would say it real sweet to one another. And I think they listen. Yeah, I'm not all that sweet. <laughs> huh? There could be a real tension there, can't can't there? Has anybody else? Uh huh, Cal? You know, I would I would almost put that in the, the local customs, but you're right, it doesn't quite fit there. Um, these are not comprehensive lists, but I appreciate you bringing that up. Is really like speaking into the short-term team about the culture they're going to visit, like the hospitality thing. And you know, it is really challenging. You docs are challenging because you are you're very driven and you're used to working long days. And like for us, I don't know, Cal, when you came, but um, we have security. We can't be on the road after a certain time, really. So if we were going out to the village, it might mean that we work a long morning but have lunch around 2, and then we drive an hour back to the city to be back in the city by 3 o'clock. And that leaves an entire evening for people to not have much to do. And that is almost freak-out time for some teams. I'm like, we came here to be productive, you know. We have things to share and skills to uh, impart. And it's that's a real balance. And there is a tension. And you can feel, like, if as the Western are hosting the short-term teams, if you're feeling that tension, think about what your national colleagues, who are way more geared to try to please the foreigners than this actual foreigner is trying to please the foreigners. You know, so their tension is even higher. How can you speak into that for your national team and then for your short-term team? How can you prepare them that the evenings are going to be long? I know when, when we have a GHO team, for example, the, very, the first day what they do is sort meds. Now, it may be like that on every team. I don't know, Cal, you can speak to that. But that's great because that is a, an entire, they get off the plane, they, they spend an entire afternoon and evening getting their mobile pharmacy ready. So we know, knowing your teams, knowing their habits, knowing their team leaders, it's, it's key. These panhandlers, huge issue for us in Afghanistan. Had a team, actually from here, I'm going to tell on them. Um, they came, they, we, one day we went, they went out shopping, and I'm not kidding. When the team 
came home. We have a place called Chicken Street because they used to sell chickens on it. Now it's for tourists. When they came in, the lady's hair was like standing out. And she's like, oh, my gosh. We were on Chicken Street and we got mobbed. And I'm like, what were you doing? Handing out dollar bills? And her head went down like this. And I saw her ears turn red. And I'm like, that's probably my fault. I'm not sure I didn't tell you not to hand out dollar bills. But, oh, my gosh. (laughs) And so, I mean, how, and, oh, gypsies in Ukraine had a pastor come from a church. The gypsies accosted him in the market. And I'm like, come on, Phil. That's, you know, and he gave me a look like, and you call yourself a missionary. Gypsies need Jesus, too. And I just, okay, I'm not kind of real sensitive. So I'm just kind of smiling and walking away. And I look back, and about five gypsy women had surrounded him. Their hands were down his shirt, in his pockets. And he's looking at me, and I hear him saying, Jody. Jody, what should I do with my gypsies? <laughs> I did rescue him after a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> you know, letting letting your team know how to deal with these things that's coming in, it's key. And you will get some pu- you will get pushback at times. I I do all the time probably cuz I'm not really very tactful. Imagine that. So here, we, somebody touched on this. Scott, did you touch on this, the, the organizational values? Like letting the short-term team know how, how you pay your staff. We, you know, especially in countries that a lot of us are going to, the poverty is just, for an American to see that level of poverty, it's, if you're seeing it for the first time, it's kind of gutting. And, and you know what? Many North Americans, especially those of us who follow Jesus Christ, are, are generous. And, but helping can hurt. I mean, it, it, that, that Brian came up with that. I mean, that book with lots of good examples. I really, I hope everyone gets a chance to read it if you didn't get to hear him speak. But just, but so trying to cut that off is educating your short-term team. Not expecting them to intuitively know some of this stuff. So let them know. This is how we pay our staff. This is, don't tip. This is part of their job. You know, don't let, you're right, that a lot of the teams will come in and then, and our, and some of our national colleagues, not so much in my case our colleagues, but even just other people they would interact with in the community, in the villages, would be asking for things that, that you could give them very easily right out of your pocket. It's just not helpful for them in the end. That whole, the request for assistance, I think maybe our medical teams, this is probably the most gutting for them. When they see things that can be fixed very simply, and they would love to be able to, they know that they can't operate on this child, but they could pay the $150 easily for that child in a local hospital to have this surgery. And sometimes we can work that out, but it needs to go through the proper channel. It needs to fit with the vision of the organization and the ministry. It needs to do. But letting your, team, letting your short-term team know up front, it's key. 
that way when that when and they come and and um, the request would go through the team leader that's and is there an appropriate way for the short term team to thank the nationals who who helped them who translated who drove them who did really everything for them including in our guest house their laundry i mean who really served them well is there a way to thank them and that's that's completely i mean those of you who receive teams do you have a way for the the short term teams who come in to thank your staff in a way that's equitable anybody have any like good uh-huh Yeah, you know, uh-huh, yeah. That's a great idea, actually. Yeah, you can, we, when we have teams come in, a lot of them have bought special clothes to be where we live. You know, it's, for us, it's, it's, we have to do a lot with the short-term teams up front, like what you can wear and, and all, I mean, down to security. When we tell you to get in a car, you get in a car right now. We can explain it to you later, but if I tell you to get in a vehicle, you get in a vehicle right now. Don't ask me why. Don't, I mean, you just get in there. I'll explain it to you later. But loading cars is, makes me almost lose my religion. But that's just another story for hosting short-term teams. But it is, so they'll leave clothes and shoes and everything. Um, and if we're not careful, one person seems to always be the recipient of it. And I love this. I don't know if it's like this in other cultures, but in Afghan culture, you, you can say, I'm going to give you this, but don't tell anybody else I gave you. <laughs> oh, no, that never works. I mean, never. Like, like, like with 100% accuracy, I can tell you it never works because they'll always tell the next guy. And the next guy gets his feelings so hurt because maybe he's the guy who peeled all the potatoes. You know, he's just not the guy that set it on the table. So we do know. We're kind of like your mothers. We do have eyes in the back of our head. <laughs> we do find out. <laughs> we'll talk to you about the next time you want to send a team. Anything else that I've that should like go under organizational values that help? Green and 
groups or teams to come in, or do you have some sort of an agreement on what the foundational beliefs are, and you don't stray from those, or how, how do you handle that? That, that is a great question, and it's part of that being proactive so that the people who are sending teams to you, they know your mission statement, they know your values, and they covenant with you that they are coming in under your authority. If they can't do that, then, then we wouldn't accept a team. Anybody else have a different way of dealing with that? Oh, sorry. If you have a team that comes in and they do not, like, they don't honor your, your, have the same value system or maybe believe even what you believe exactly, how do you deal with that? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. It can be an outreach to the team. This is not, you guys, this is just not an exhaustive list. This, is, this workshop is meant to get dialogue going and to create an awareness. Um, this is my last slide on here. I want to leave some time for more questions. But um, another thing that's really helpful is to clarify the leadership roles. Who is the leader? Who does the, the short-term team report to on the field? Who does the short-term team report to within the context of their team? Does every member of the short-term team have equal access to the long-term team? Just saying, chaos if that happens. Pure chaos. But if you don't set it up in advance, then you, you will have one by one every teammate coming to you with administrative questions that really need to be answered by the, that you need to defer back to their short-term leader. But clarifying that with the team and the organization that's sending the team is key. It's not like you want to be so remote as the long-term team that you're not approachable. Not at all. But if, you know, if it's a scheduling issue or different things like that, you don't want five people coming to you and saying, I don't know what they would say. My mind's gone blank. It's, but asking, you know, what time lunch is or can we defer lunch because we want to get in a quick shopping trip to Chicken Street. I don't think we need to belabor that point at all, but... I know that I always I kind of tend to use GHO teams as my as a as an example because they're the they're the quite frankly the best teams 
that we get. They have very strong leadership on the short-term team. It is not a democracy. I love it. You know what? Southeast does a great job of that, too. Their teams, it's not a democracy. They have a team leader. That team leader is in charge. The team members know this in the beginning. They go to their short-term team leader. And if the short-term team leader then needs to come and talk to the long-term team, they do. And it just makes a much more enjoyable, clarifying experience for everyone. When you have every team member coming to you as a long-term team, it's crazy. And they will try to circumvent the Westerners, okay, because they know that the Nationals are not going to often tell them no. Woe to the person on one of the teams that I host who tries to go around (laughs) me to a National teammate. It's never good. So now that you'll never come on a short-term team anywhere I live, but I I love short-term teams. I love the process of speaking into their lives. I think if there's one thing that you can take away from this as a long-term team, be proactive. Our donors really do want to bless us. They really do. But if they don't know what they need, Maybe we don't know what we need. Maybe we need, as a long-term team, to do some serious prayer and vision casting for how we can use short-term teams and then let, the, let our donors know. Because at the end of the day, they wanna, they, it's kingdom resources. They want to use them well. So how can we be proactive with them um, and let them know what we need so they can send us what we need. And so taking responsibility, not being passive. I think if that's maybe the, the, like the big bullet point that I would like for you to hear from today, because this is just a, the tip of the iceberg. Um, that, that I, want, I want a chance for questions. We're, we only have a couple minutes, but any qu- or comments? Uh-huh. Oh, sorry. Uh-huh. Again, coming from the opposite angle of being a short-term team leader and organizer, uh, I think it's really important to work with long-term missionaries beforehand on how to condition the team before they ever leave the ground. Because in my experience, uh, I have chaperoned 100-plus member high school marching bands in Europe. Uh And I've had 10-member adult short-term missions teams. And the missions teams produce a lot more anxiety. And it's really important to condition them on what to expect. All these things you're talking about, but it's really important to get that clarified on the ground before you ever get on the airplane. I, and we appreciate that. And, and even in those leisure excursions like shopping, and simple things like stay in groups. And they're like cats. You know, it's, it's, it's like, oh, oh yeah, I do know. This comes up, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I learned early on, and I've seen the picture. In fact, my wife and I just took a European vacation. We witnessed a horrifying accident. Mm. And it, it just drove home the point again that whenever you're on international soil, you're always 10 seconds away from an international incident. Mm-hmm. You don't want it on the front page. Right. So the conditioning of the team before they leave is so critical. And I just say hearty amen to that. The, te- the team needs to be prefer- prepared before it's wheels up. On the plane. Yep. I have a question about preparing the national team. Um, the place where I'm going, 
nationals, when they're asked, uh, would you like to help in uh, hosting, you know, in uh, maybe preparing a meal for uh, for this short-term team that's coming in, and, and uh, they often have this, oh, you know, that, oh, well, we don't know what to make, we don't know if they'll like our food, we don't have utensils, you know, um, how do you, how do you encourage the short-term, I mean, um, the national team that they that they can still be involved and they have something to give and how do you encourage the nationals? You know, it's it's key. And I think Susie had a good point. Do you have even one national with even a little bit of experience who can I kind of act as coach, that's always helpful. Maybe you're at the very beginning, though, and there is no one. And what I do in that case is just I'm just there standing side by side with them, encouraging them. If they if this is something they really want to do, and I kind of act as a cultural liaison. So they, they're a little bit, you know, they're not quite so nervous. And then the long-term team, and really pre- preparing the short-term team, too, for just letting them, even being transparent. You know that, that my, my national colleagues, my teammates are – I'm kind of nervous about hosting foreigners for the first time. This is what it's going to look like. Please understand that you're going to use God's fork, is what we say in Afghanistan. You will not have a fork. You might maybe have a spoon, but probably not. You're going to use God's fork, you know. And, and teach, give them some, like, how to use their naan or something and to pick up the food. But that is something that it, it just takes a while to cultivate. That's just standing with them. As, if they really want to do it until they build the confidence. And then kind of like seeing who might become in your national teammates kind of a coach for other nationals to help them navigate that. David? What's your opinion of senders sending a scout prior to a short-term team? We actually, I like that. I like because that's the time to kind of speak transparently, show them everything, and they go back and then they become great preparers of the team. It's not depending on where you are; it's just not always possible to do. Uh huh. I think it is important, and that needs to be one of the team mantras, really, is flexibility. And isn't that, when you're open to God appointments, isn't that kind of crazy? That turned out to be one of the best team-building things that you, I mean, you just knowing that anything can happen. I can't tell you how many times we get in a lockdown situation in Afghanistan to where we, you know, we can't leave the guest house. And so then you've got, you can have a lot of antsy people. If they didn't know ahead of time, this could happen. Be prepared. We never know. I think on the receiving side, uh, we almost had two people die on different trips from things that having been aware of them beforehand, you wouldn't have had problems. And so from the receiving end, uh, I always make sure that I'm aware of 
from a sending end, we became much more intentional about if you're on medication, there's a private envelope, you're going to put it in that, only the team leader, but we're going to give it to a medical person who's going to review it and then make the team leader aware of the situations. It's not potentially going to disqualify you from the trip, but it's important for us to have that information for your safety as well as for the, the host because you put them in a very bad situation. You know, even backing it up, a step is knowing the organization that's sending the team, knowing their policies on that, so that you can even entrust that to them, that they have taken care of that level of detail. Yeah. Uh-huh. Medical history, meds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. He makes me look like a wimp. <laughs> so, okay, so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and those are the teams that you that you want to host as a long-term missionary. Those those are the teams that really are a blessing. Because they come with the attitude of, "What do you you tell us? You just direct us. We're here. You mm-hmm. Direct us where you want us to be, what you want us to do." And you know, he gives them a an itinerary before they come, and it's a blank piece of paper. <laughs> I might have found a new hero. <laughs> oh my, he needs to be leading a workshop. <laughs> well, guys, we are getting on to 9 o'clock. Um, thank you very much. Um, I encourage you to interact with each other and share. continue to share your experiences and And I can answer any questions if you have any more. So thanks for your attention.